but I said, I'm willing to make sacrifices on my end to make things easier for you. And I think communicating that to your manager will give them a bit more confidence that you are putting that manager and you're putting the company first and you're willing to make sacrifices to make this happen because it's really, really important to you. Hey, my name is Jordan Giberson. I'm a Texas girl living and thriving in London. The best thing I've ever done, moving abroad hands down. And I'm passionate about helping others do the same. Are you curious about finding a job abroad? You're in the right place, friend. I'll teach you the tried and true secrets of how to make moving abroad a reality for you and how to live a fulfilling life once you get there. We'll cover topics like choosing the best visa for you, how to get a job offer in another country, how to get over your fear of moving abroad, and how to live a life you love once you get there. This is the Move Abroad Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Move Abroad Podcast. Thanks for joining me. So today I want to talk about whether you can do a sneaky test drive of your dream city abroad. Whenever I decided that I wanted to move to London, I had only been in London for about four days. I said, I'm in love with the city. I'm going to move here someday. And I I did. Um, but looking back, I'm really glad that it worked out. It did work out for me. And, you know, some people say when you know, you know. And I guess that was the case for London for me. I just I just knew that I wanted to be here. But I do think that sometimes... It's like if you, I'm already laughing at this analogy. It's like if you, you meet a guy on a dating website, you see him on there, you're like, oh, he looks great. And you're chatting with him and you're like, he seems really great. And you just have this image in your mind of what he's going to be like. And then whenever you, you know, let's say you're, you're talking with him for a couple months and you're like, he is the one, he is so great, blah, blah, blah. And then after two months of chatting, you decide to finally go on a date with him and you go out and then nothing. You're like, no, absolutely not. How could I ever think that he was this way? Because you just build up this image in your mind of who they are and what they're like and what it's going to feel like, what's going to be like whenever you've never actually spent the time being amongst their presence and being with them. I'm already regretting using that example, but the case is the same for whenever you move abroad. I think that I did get really lucky just falling in love with London saying I'm going to move here after only being here for four days originally. But I do think that if you're able to actually spend a bit of time wherever you think you want to move to, it might be, you might be a bit better off just making sure that it is a really good fit for you. So today we're going to talk about whether you can be a little bit sneaky while you're still potentially working and be able to test drive your city before you actually make the move abroad. So I will just say quickly as a caveat that I do not think that this will fit for some people. Some people have jobs where it this will not work out for them. Um, for an example, if you're a nurse um, and maybe you're a nine to five nurse that has to be in a clinic, not that you have, you know, three, four shifts a week where maybe you could work around your schedule and you know, block your time to where you can have eight days or whatever without actually taking PTO like some people do, which is amazing. But let's just say, you know, you, you're a nurse and you work a nine to five, maybe this won't work for you. You would have to take your PTO, but I do think that's just an example, but I do think there are some jobs where you can kind of 
finagle your way around it and be able to visit for a longer period of time. Maybe it's just a couple weeks. Maybe it's just one week. Maybe you do have to take some PTO to actually experience what it's like to, to live there as much as you can. But maybe you're able to find a way to be there for one to three months, which would be best case scenario to really test it out and see if it's something that you actually really want to pursue, or if maybe it's not actually the best fit for you. Or you can just do like me and just say, no, I'm just going to do it. I know this is what I want and I'm going to go for it. And maybe that works for you. But if not, if you're interested in doing a test run of the city, then let's talk through some of those steps. And I will say I am very excited for this episode. I think this is so fun to kind of think strategically and think about what are ways that we can make it happen. Not saying, oh, that's not going to work, but just saying how are ways that we can make it work. So anyways, let's get into it. So The first thing I'd wanted to say is, you know, we should see if it's something that we actually like um, or if we think that we will. So, you know, if you've only been there for a couple days like I did whenever I moved to London, you might want to spend a bit more time there. Um, You can spend, you know, three to six months in most countries on a tourist visa. For example, New Zealand, you can stay up to 90 days. Canada, you can stay up to six months. UK is similar. You can stay up to six months. Portugal, you can stay up to 90 days. So in a lot of countries, you can just go there on a tourist visa and it's not a massive deal. So that's one thing that I wanted to say. Um, Another reason why you might want to test run your city is to be able to network a bit to understand the job market. So bonus points if you can meet up with somebody who has the same job and visa that you want. So, you know, meeting people in real life and chatting to somebody in a coffee shop, maybe they have a laptop and you're like, okay, they have a laptop and a coffee shop. Maybe they have their own business. I want to start my own business in another country or oh, maybe they're, you know, working remotely for their company and in this coffee shop. So just chatting with people. I have done this before in Croatia. I ended up meeting a girl in a coffee shop. We were both on our laptops, ended up chatting, figured out she's from LA, but she was uh, from Russia actually. And we got to talking and became friends. And um, anyways, it's definitely possible. So you have to put yourself out there, but that could be a way to meet somebody or meeting somebody through an alumni Facebook group, for example, reaching out to people or putting out a message and seeing who responds or reaching out to people directly on LinkedIn before you arrive. So maybe if they're from your university, that's going to increase your chances that they're going to respond to you. Or if you have a mutual connection or another way that you have a a similarity, you both worked for the same company or organization at some point would be a couple examples. And I did do that before I moved to the UK. I connected with a billion people on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm not saying this is what you have to do, but I did reach out to a lot of people on LinkedIn, had a lot of phone calls whenever I was first trying to understand how to actually make the move abroad and how other people did it. And a lot of times it does end up on a dead end because they've had a completely different way that they've reached that goal. But it is always helpful learning from people who've moved abroad. If you're only just, you know, maybe they have a completely different job and visa, but just learning, you can always take something away from that conversation of um, how they liked it, what are some culture shocks that they had, or what were some things that they would have done differently in their move, et cetera, et cetera. Could probably do a whole other episode on that, but we'll just leave it at that for now. Um, The third reason why it might be interesting to do a test run is to find the neighborhood or area that you would want to live in. 
You might find one online and be like, this apartment is a great deal. And you could show up and it could be the crappiest area you've ever lived in. And you feel like you might get stabbed at any moment if you step outside at night. Or you might realize that it has terrible public transportation, that it's not linked at all. And you didn't think to really look at that or that there are no people your age or there's a really large demographic of people that aren't similar to you where you're like, oh, I was really hoping to live in an area where there are a ton of young people that are really similar to me. So I do think that it's worthwhile spending time just seeing the feel and the vibe of a neighborhood where you're interested in and moving to. So Three reasons, again, why you'd want to do a test run. One, to see if you'd actually like it or not, or if it's just in your head. Um, Number two is to be able to network a bit and get a better understanding of the job market. And number three is to find the neighborhood or area that you might potentially want to live in that might be a good fit for you. So now down to the strategy, the fun part. So the first thing I wanted to say is if your current job allows you you can go to that country for a test run. I did want to um, say I already had mentioned that I think it depends on your job. So you'll have to think through your job, your company, your situation, your relationship with your manager, and kind of think through like, how could I actually make this work? But these are some of the the items that I wanted to discuss um, if you were to actually make that a reality. So one thing is thinking about accommodation for if you want to go to that country. So a way to do it the, the cheapest is to find a sublease. So this is where you're going to be whenever you actually get there. So you could always Google sublease in blank city. And there are companies that do short-term lets. There are also Facebook groups that you might be able to find a sublease, which would be a bit cheaper because uh, you're just picking up someone else's rent. You can also look into Airbnb. They offer month-long stays that tend to be a bit cheaper. And sometimes you can negotiate on those as well and say, since I'm staying for X amount of time, would you be would you consider this amount? I have done that quite a few times um, and I saved a lot of money. And you can always message like 10 of them. You can message up to 10 people a day on Airbnb and just see if they're willing to work out a deal with you. Um, You can also look into house sitting. There's companies that allow you to stay somewhere for free. You can take care of their pets or, you know, some people just want you to watch their house or water their plants, etc. So those are some of the ways that you can find a sublease or find a space to live whenever you do go abroad. The second item is how you're going to make money. So if you're going to be somewhere for a bit of time, it depends on your situation. If you're currently employed or not, if you're um, a contractor and what your situation looks like, but I'm going to list out the different ways that you can make money. So one is that you are living off of your savings or any passive income that you have. So whether that be, um, a rental property or just savings that you've built up over time in your own bank account, um, things like that, or maybe your parents are like, we want you to test it out. We're going to give you the money to live there. That's great too. If that works out for you. Um, so that's one way is living off of savings and or passive income that you already have. 
Um, Another one is to pick up some freelancing jobs if that applies to you. So maybe you can pick up copywriting jobs or website building, designing. Maybe you could be a virtual assistant. Maybe you could be a financial consultant. You can look into uh, teaching online, perhaps uh, content creation, etc. So if you're already a freelancer or consultant, this will work really, really well for you because you already have it all established. But if you're not, you can definitely look into different uh, freelancing jobs. And if you type in how to be a freelancer or freelancing companies, you can definitely find companies like Upwork, for example, where you can um, put yourself out there as a contractor, or perhaps you can connect with people via LinkedIn, putting on a message that you're starting contract work, start building up a portfolio, etc. Maybe you don't want to do that if you're only going to be somewhere for a month or two, but maybe that's something you were thinking about building up on the side anyways, and that could help fund your time abroad. The third way that you can make money is you're employed already. So you very well might already have a job. You don't need to live off of your savings or passive income. You're not going to be finding freelance jobs. You're like, I am a nine to five worker. So if you're employed, there are a few things that you can do. One is you can ask your manager if you can work from blank country for a few weeks. And maybe this is a program that your company already offers, especially bigger mid-sized like corporate companies or smaller companies, they might already have a program that allows you to do this. Um, and this really only works if you're able to work remotely or if you're hybrid. Um, if you're already working fully remote, then you win. If you're working hybrid, then you might be able to work with your manager to make this work. If you're in a very intense only office environment, this probably is not going to apply to you. So sorry about that. Um, If you're a nurse, like I mentioned earlier, this is going to be really hard to do, especially if you're at like a nine to five clinic nurse, for example. Um, But if you are at hospital, you might be able to work around your schedule where you can at least, you don't have to take a ton of PTO, but you can block your schedule where you can go for a longer period of time. If you're a nurse or know someone who's a nurse, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. If you're a teacher, you might be able to go for the summer, for example, and come during your break. Um, and if you're really not able to take at least a month off to try living in the country you're thinking about, I'd consider taking PTO to stay in that dream city abroad for a bit, you know, one week, two weeks, whatever you're able to swing, just to make sure that it is a good fit for you. And it's somewhere where you feel like you can build a life, even if it's for just a temporary amount of time. But if you think that it's able to work remotely for a few weeks, then, that is best case scenario to be able to spend a bit more time. So a couple ways to approach this. If you think that in your job, you might be able to work remotely for a bit, still keep your same job and make it happen. Then some ways that I would approach that a couple things. So one is to talk to your manager and tell them that your quality and quantity of work is not going to be affected whatsoever and that doing a good job in your role is your number one priority and that you don't foresee this happening at all. But if for any reason your manager becomes unhappy with you staying in X country, then you will get on a flight and come back home immediately. No questions asked. That's something that I've done before and I think it just helps build confidence with your manager that you're flexible. And if it's not working for them, you want to do what's best for them and for the company. So I think it takes a bit of a different angle. And 
would give them a bit more assurance that you're going to do a good job, you're trustworthy, you'll come back if if they want you to. So I did want to mention also that if there is a big time difference, whenever you're talking to your manager, you can ask them if they can adjust your working hours slightly. This really depends on your manager and on the company and team culture and how flexible they are. But I did want to give an example. Whenever I, this was back in COVID times, the the word that we don't like to use. Back in COVID, I was working for a London company and it, long story short, I'll tell the long story at some point, but I ended up staying in Texas for five months and I worked out a deal with my boss where I started work at 7.30 a.m. and I'd work until 3.30 p.m. So this was 1.30 to 11.30 p.m. UK time. So as I was starting work at 7.30, that was 1.30, which was just after their lunch. So I had about three and a half hours with my team where I could have meetings and chat to people if I needed to and work on things together. And then the second half of my day was where I could get really focused work done, where I had no distractions and I could really put my head down and be really focused. Again, it depends on your manager, but I was able to work this out with my boss. I was slightly inconvenienced where I had to start work at 7.30, but I actually discovered that I really liked it. I'm okay at working in the mornings. I'm quite focused and I'm able to concentrate and it worked really well for me. And then I had a longer you know, evening. Um, I got off at 3.30, so I had a lot of the day where I could spend time with family. So it really worked out quite well for me. Another example was I, whenever I was still working for that company, not the company I'm at now, but the company before, I really wanted to work in Bali for a month. I had a friend who was living there. He still lives there. And I I thought about trying to see if I could work it out where I could live there and work there temporarily, but still work for my same company. Long story short, I ended up traveling through Bali in between my old job and my new job. I was able to work it out where I had a month in between. And I just explored Bali for a month, which was amazing. Story for another time. But I... Before that, I thought about asking my company if I could work normal working hours in that time zone, like still work like nine to five, because there's a 12 hour time difference between the East Coast in the US, for example, and Bali. Technically, my company was in London at the time, but I'm just trying to give you an example so you can understand what I'm talking about. So I was, I probably would have pitched something like this. I'll work nine to five, normal working hours, wherever I'm located because it's in the middle of the night for you anyways, but I'm going to be available to schedule calls between nine to 11 PM, two to three days per week. So that was something that I was going to pitch to my boss was to say, I'll be available in the evenings for calls. So it's super inconvenient for me, but can we work that out? It's, it would be a very short term solution. So it doesn't work out super well for me because it's really late at night. It doesn't work out super well for my employer because I have a very short amount of time where I could have meetings. So it's not long, it's not a long-term solution, but I could do that eight to 12 times for a month of being in Bali. It would be a bit of a sacrifice, but it was a dream that I had to live there for a bit or to stay there for a bit. So, and I didn't want to take all that as PTO. So that could have potentially worked out, but I ended up just traveling through Bali instead. But that could be something to consider, just kind of working on a deal, like how can I actually make this work? Not saying, oh, the time difference, 12 hours, that's not going to work. But saying like, is my manager flexible? Can I work? Like, what are the hours that would make sense? Am I willing to work in the middle of the night? 
Am I willing to work really, really late hours or super, super early in the morning hours? How can I make that work? And telling your boss as well that if it's a really important meeting, you are going to be there. That was something that I did do whenever I was in Texas. Sometimes I would have meetings at 3.30 a.m. in the morning, 4 a.m. in the morning, and I would be there. I would be there on the call, I would be present, and it wasn't convenient at all, but I was so grateful that my company was willing to work with me that I said, I'm willing to make sacrifices on my end to make things easier for you. And I think communicating that to your manager will give them a bit more confidence that you are putting that manager and you're putting the company first and you're willing to make sacrifices to make this happen because it's really, really important to you. So I think that's something interesting to consider. The second thing that I wanted to mention is if you ask them, can I work abroad for a for a short period of time and they say no or they don't respond, what are you going to do? Now, this is a little bit tricky. This is definitely, you are going to have to make this decision on your own, thinking about your company culture, what you're willing to sacrifice, what the co- potential consequences are if you get in trouble. Um, so I do say this kind of, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But if they don't respond, um, I wanted to tell a quick story. I have a friend who's staying in London right now, actually. And she sent an email to her manager a couple times. She didn't do a phone call with her. She sent her an email and asked if it'd be possible if she lived and worked in London for a few weeks. And her manager didn't respond And she took that as, okay, she didn't respond. So she didn't want to have it written down or to say that I could move abroad, but she didn't respond to my two emails. So it made her think, okay, maybe they just don't want it written down. They don't want to approve it, but they're going to turn a blind eye and allow her to go and not ever say anything because it would potentially be against company policy, but the manager wanted to let her do what she wanted to do. And so she took that as, okay, I just am going to go ahead and move abroad. So um, I wanted to say that, you know, if it's a, a big company, bigger, bigger companies tend to err on the side of caution most of the time. Um, but again, since her manager didn't say no or respond to her emails, then she just assumed that she could go ahead and do it. In the case that you ask your manager if you can go abroad for a bit, you already work remotely or you work hybrid, but a lot of people don't actually go into the office and your manager says no, then again, take this with a grain of salt. This is your call. But depending on how important it is to you, I think you would have to weigh out whether this is something that's important to you or not. Um, Especially right now, as there are a lot of layoffs at the time of this recording, it might not be worth the risk of making your manager upset. Um, and, you know, if you could also go and keep your normal working hours, which my friend did, the one that I was just saying where her boss didn't respond to her email, she kept her normal working hours, didn't try to negotiate her hours or anything like that. So kept her hours 100% and she's been working completely the same, same amount of output. She's not not working. She's still doing the same amount of work as if she were to have stayed back in in the States and continue working wherever she was at. So anyways, I think it's your call on whether you go and you just don't say anything because they wouldn't know where you're at, especially if you're still doing the same amount of work, your output is the same. 
But if you're obviously in an office um, and if you don't feel right about doing that, then definitely don't do that. Again, take this with a grain of salt. Also, maybe it's not really worth, maybe say, I mean, I've been there a couple times. I feel comfortable. I feel confident. This is where I want to move to. Like, I'm ready to go all in. Do it. Or if you say, ah, like, I have a couple weeks of PTO. It's a bit of a sacrifice. I don't want to take all my PTO to go here to visit, but I'm going to, it's really important to me. I want to make it happen. I just want to use my PTO and do that. Then, you know, that's great. Take a week, two weeks to, to visit your dream city abroad. But if you're able to go a bit longer, one to three months, for example, that could also be a really great opportunity to, again, back to the beginning to see if you really like it. If you feel like this is somewhere where you could be happy and build a life, if for, you know, maybe just for a temporary amount of time to also network and understand the job market and to three, find the neighborhood or area that you want to live in, then great. So, With all that, that is the end of this episode. This was a really fun one to think through because I have been in that situation before where I'm like, I mean, how can I make this happen? How can I, how can I not just say, no, this isn't going to work, but how can I like finagle my way in and make it happen for myself? So yeah, it was really fun putting this together. But I hope you enjoyed it. Again, you'll have to think through your own situation. Everyone has a very, very unique situation, unique manager, unique type of job, hours, expectations in the job and role. So I think this is not a one-size-fits-all conversation, but I do think that it is interesting to try to think creatively about how you can, sounds silly, but like make things happen in your life. How can I think creatively to say, how can I make this happen for me? So Anyways, thank you again for listening and I will see you here again next Monday.